Derek Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Frank Smith puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? I want to shout out to the halftime basketball community from Eve Evendorf, former Syracuse basketball player. Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take, keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller Brand is in the building. And you know how we get down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing. And we gonna do our thing. Because Big Baller's got to stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big Baller's out, baby. And I holla. Oh, hey. Didn't see you there. Welcome back into the Halftime Community Podcast. This is episode 11. Got a treat for you all this week. It's a double upload. We've got today's episode with Fear the Deer. He's going to come on, talk bucks. We're going to talk some NCAA tournament, just everything basketball. And then on Wednesday, we've got the Halftime Community Roundtable. A little bit past the halfway point now, but we're going to sit down with some of the favorite guests, chop it up. I'm sure there'll be some Los Angeles Lakers slander, some Brooklyn Nets slander. You never know where that conversation is going to go next. So stay tuned for that Wednesday night. Kicking off this episode, we've got some injury updates, unfortunate injuries. LaMelo Ball, I think that's the rookie of the year on everybody's radar right now. Probably not going to be the rookie of the year considering he just broke his wrist. Going to miss the rest of the season more than likely. Maybe can come back for the playoffs if the Hornets sneak into the playoffs. You never know uh, with a wrist injury like that. It could be the rest of the season that they just shut him down and hope he comes back strong next season. Shout out LaMelo Ball. You're the best ball brother in my eyes. And then we've got LeBron James. Some people would say the GOAT. We're finally going to discuss on Wednesday night who is the GOAT. We're going to settle that debate. I know you've been waiting all season. I've been trying to give it to you. I've been trying to break it down for you, but I just haven't had time yet. LeBron James, he's out with a high ankle sprain. You never know with the high ankle sprain. Could be a couple weeks. Could drag on farther than that. We know LeBron James is superhuman. He's basically a robot at this point, so nothing is going to surprise me. As long as he comes ready for the playoffs with AD, the Lakers should still be a threat to win the championship. But more important news, Blake Griffin. He did it, everybody. He did it, boys and girls. He dunked. He dunked in a professional basketball game. I know we've all been waiting on bated breath. We've had our calendars out. And I got to ask the question. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be the hard-hitting journalist. Is this the most important dunk in NBA history? You can answer that for yourselves, but I think the answer is pretty obvious. It is. As I tape this on Monday, March 22nd, trade deadline still looming. This Thursday, it's coming up, but we haven't really seen a lot of movement. A lot of names thrown out there. Aaron Gordon has kind of demanded a trade today, so we'll see where he ends up. But so far, not a lot of movement, so I'm going to leave it at that. Before we get into some sad news, we got to mention the Atlanta Hawks as well. If Kanye West were an NBA basketball team, I think it would definitely be the Atlanta Hawks. They got off to a strong start. Everybody's feeling MVP Trey Young type vibes this year. And then, of course, they fell off the face of the earth. Ended up firing Lloyd Pierce, letting him go however you want to phrase it. Nate McMillan came in. He's a steadying presence, a steadying coach for the Hawks. And all of a sudden, they're back in playoff contention. Could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Or they could fall off the map completely, off the flat earth like Kyrie Irving would want you to believe. The sad news of the day, however, as I'm sure you've all seen by now, Elgin Baylor, true legend of the game, has passed away. Um, If you really just look at his basketball reference, the numbers speak for themselves. Although he played in a different era, primarily in the 1960s, that was the prime of his career, I think his game really transcended basketball. He was a lot of what these swing players, these 3 and D players that we really envy now, um, he was kind of the start of that, and he was a really athletic wing-type player. But if you look at his numbers, his career averages were nearly 30 points per game, 15 rebounds per game, and 4 assists per game. That's something Russell Westbrook would be jealous of right there. But I got to mention my favorite Elgin Baylor anecdote before I go here and we get into the interview with Fear the Deer. So Elgin Baylor, of course, came from a different era where you either had a day job or you were in some kind of military service, depending on what war the U.S. was in at the time. 
And while Elgin Baylor was serving the Army on active duty service for three months, he actually um, did not practice with the Lakers at all. He was still signed to the Lakers, still played for them on the weekends, but he did not practice with them at all. Only playing the weekends, he averaged 38 points, 19 rebounds per game, and over five assists per game. I mean, honestly, that's the stuff Toby Keith writes songs about these days. Baylor again gets the rebound, a second and roll, fast break. There goes West, he's got it. Well, I'm here with Andrew, a.k.a. Fear the Deer, um, and you can tell from the username, he is a Milwaukee Bucks fan primarily, but he's a fan of the game in general, like the NCAA um, teams as well. So we'll be talking a little bit NCAA tournament towards the end here. Maybe you can school me on some things because I'm not quite spun up on it like I usually am this year. Um, <laughs> so, but let's start with the Bucks. Start with the NBA. Uh, they released power rankings today. I, I don't really put too much stock into those for the regular season because they change so much. Uh, but mm. the Milwaukee Bucks, I've seen anywhere from second now all the way Ooh. to, you know, fifth. So they're they're right in that top tier of contenders. They're back in it um, just like they, we thought they would be. But the big question with me is, um, you know, has Giannis made the steps necessary? And has Mike Budenholzer made the coaching adjustments to actually get this team to the finals finally? Um, let's see. You know, Mike Budenholzer, in my opinion, let's see. I just don't think he really makes uh, great, like, mm, rotational, like, adjustments and stuff like that. Like, we'll see, like, sometimes, like, in the playoffs last year where Giannis was playing, you know, 20 minutes a game and stuff like that because he was trying to arrest him and stuff like that. So, um, for Mike Budenholzer, his rotations definitely are off. I don't hate, like – the other ways that he's really coaching and stuff like that, like his, uh, you know, his philosophy. Um, but for my, in my opinion, it just all comes down to the playoffs. Like we can, you know, like the Lakers, for example, like they're still, they're just playing for the playoffs. So all comes down to the playoffs really. But once, once they get there, we'll see, but usually in the playoffs is where the bucks fall apart. So we'll see once we get there, really what uh, Budenholzer does and what Giannis does. But for Giannis, I would say um, I think yes, a little bit, but also no, just a little bit more. Um, I don't know, like, if the shooting, like when he's shooting threes and stuff like that is kind of just working on his game during the regular season. Like I said, like the, um, the, the playoffs are really what – a lot of teams are playing for right now, but you know, him shooting threes, I don't know if that's something he's just working on during the 72 game regular season, or if that's something he's trying, you know, to just shoot in regular games. So for me, if he's going to shoot those in the playoffs, he's got to get those down for sure. Cause he's not hitting, I mean, barely any of those. It's been better lately, but a lot of uh, missed shots from behind the arc for Giannis. But as long as he can hit, hit him from the stripe and hit him from three, I think, uh, yeah, he, he's fine as of right now. Yeah. Um, tell me if I'm crazy here. So in the playoffs the past couple of years, you know, Giannis back-to-back -back MVPs, he's a monster. We all know that. Um, but, you know, he's never going to be a knockdown three-point shooter at any point in his career. Um, right. But the, the book is out on him in the playoffs. It seems like teams just build a wall in the paint. And he either has to give it up to somebody else to score or they just in crunch time, they'll just literally give the ball to Chris Middleton and be like, you know, make a shot. And Chris Middleton is actually I've watched him in crunch time a lot and he actually makes a lot of contested shots. But mm -hmm. do you think is it crazy to use Giannis more like a Shaquille O'Neal type? I know he's not quite the build that Shaq was, but just put him in the post let him make plays out of the post instead of having him bring the ball up so much. Obviously he's really good in transition. So keep that part of his game, but in the half court, just put him in the post, um, let him to go to work down there instead of trying to use him at the top of the circle. Um, yeah, I would, I would actually like that a little bit more just because if you, I, I'm never expecting him to shoot like KD or anything like that for his size or anything. Um, but, you know, I heard your episode with uh, I think it was J.C. Benson 
like two episodes ago when y'all were talking about the Bucks and building a wall around Giannis. And yeah, I totally agreed with that. Like they, they don't really rely on anyone else, um, you know, past Chris Middleton, which, I mean, he's a good three point shooter, but I don't think he's really quite a, you know, facilitator. And honestly, that's not his role. That's why the Bucks, you know, need to move away from that philosophy. But I would say for a question about Giannis, more like a, like young Shaq when he was in Orlando, like when he would run the floor with Penny and not as much as uh, bruising, like when he was in LA and stuff like that, when he put on a lot of, uh, you know, pounds and stuff like that. But when he was young Shaq, you know, buzz cut and playing in Orlando and stuff like that, I could see Giannis definitely fitting in that mold. He was, Shaq was running the floor. He was dunking. He was still bringing down rims and stuff like that. And he kind of moved more toward like just post heavy as, I mean, he was a bigger guy than at the end of his career, but I think Giannis could definitely fit the mold of like young Shaq for sure. Yeah. I, I think they should really, I don't see them trying this, but they should put him in the post more. He can pass, he can make plays out of the post, but it just seems like for whatever reason they're, they're in their system. It works in the regular season and they're just going to live or die with it with Giannis handling the ball a lot. Um, so where do you see, Giannis on the landscape of current NBA players. Um, I know he's won back-to-back MVPs and he actually is in the running for a third one now that LeBron's injured and Joel Embiid's injured. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season, I would have said, you know, the chances of Giannis winning MVP for a third straight year, probably 0% because, you know, he'd have to average 50 points a game and 20 (laughs) rebounds a game because voter fatigue and people just aren't going to vote the same guy three years in a row, no matter what he does really. But I mean, really, it could come down to him and Jokic. Where do you see him on the radar as far as um, just players in the league in general? Is he the best player? Would you say he's just top two, top three? I would say, man, I think at certain times, like when he's playing like really well, like going hard and, you know, really running the offense for the Bucks. I think he's a top two, three player in the league. I would throw Jokic. Um, Let's with all the players healthy when he's playing well, he's easily a top five guy, maybe top three. Uh, the way Kevin Durant's playing this year when he's healthy, I think he's up there. Jokic is MVP top. Um, but with LeBron, like you said, LeBron um, and Embiid out and AD out, really, it's kind of helped him move toward maybe top two. I would throw him up there, Kawhi up there. Um Maybe James Harden, when he's really playing well, he's had a ton of triple doubles as of late and played really well for Brooklyn. So you got to throw him up there for sure. But with everyone healthy, we're talking KD healthy, um, you know, Embiid healthy, LeBron healthy. I think he's maybe third, fourth best player in the league. Um, But with those guys out, I think he's top two player for sure. But I think it all comes down to really if he can lead a team, uh, we saw them got get bounced in the second round uh, last year to Miami, who I guess made a run into the finals. But um, yeah, I think if he can lead a team, if he can win a championship this year, I think I, he gets more respect for me for uh, one of the top players in the league. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, you guys locked up Giannis in the off season. So that was a big, that was a big thing going into this season. Would he resign? He kind of was, tiptoeing around it like he wasn't going to sign and then he was maybe going to test free agency and he ended up signing so if you're a Bucks fan you got to be happy about that um mm-hmm. the big off-season acquisition they kind of they failed on Bogdanovich that was going to be their big off-season acquisition and they ended up uh, making a big trade for Drew Holiday he was yeah. injured for part of the season I think he was actually coming back from coronavirus but Um, how what's his impact been since he's been back on the court has he been a game changer for you guys um I think the way that he plays defense is a definite upgrade from Eric Bledsoe uh EB was like he was a good defender for sure he was solid on defense but we saw him break down a couple times when he was guarding in the playoffs last year even when they were playing Orlando round one we would see a few breakdowns every once in a while um but he's I, I think everyone expected him to be an upgrade from um, Eric Bledsoe because, in my opinion, he's been a better player for the majority of his career. But um, 
yeah, he's a great defensive player. He's even really improved his uh, his shot a little bit for me. I, I really didn't expect him to be as good as a shooter as he is for us. Um, he's he's much more of like a – I expected him to be kind of like a gritty defensive guy. He'd put up maybe 12, 14 points per game. I think – let me see. I think he's up to around 16, 17, something like that. And I definitely didn't expect that from him. So it's either my low expectations or, you know, he's, he's played really well this year. Um, he's obviously a great defender. I expected that, but the way he passes and the way he scores is much better than I expected when we, when we uh, picked him up or I guess traded for him. Yeah. So it was, it was a big trade. I think you guys gave away three first round picks, but you know, if you're a good team and you're going to be in contention every year, the first round picks are the, aren't the worst thing in the world to give up because they're going to be in the late 20s anyways. So it's kind yeah. of a toss up. Um, but Drew Holiday, biggest impact is definitely going to be what happens in the playoffs, like all the players on the Bucks, really. Yeah. And they picked up another veteran um, last week, P.J. Tucker. How do you see him fitting in? Um, will they make any more moves, do you think? Or is this kind of the last one of the finishing touches on this current Bucks team. I love, I love the move for uh, PJ Tucker. I think I kind of like the trade for him more than I like the trade for um, Drew Holiday. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, but for PJ Tucker, I really like his corner three game, just like literally everyone else who plays, who watches basketball. But if we had one guy who could shoot really, Giannis can't shoot, Drew Holiday. I mean, he can shoot the mid-range much better than he can shoot the three. And we didn't really have a go-to three-point shooter um, outside of Chris Middleton, who obviously is a sniper. But once we picked up P.J. Tucker, uh, you know, it opened up much more things to do in the offense, pass the ball. Um, and he, if he's got an open three, he's more than likely going to knock it down. Um, outside of that, he plays solid defense, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, like extremely, extremely well, de- extremely good defense, I should say. But um, I think we primarily traded for him for his uh, for his three point shooting game. I have no problem with that. I actually really liked it. I didn't mind what we gave up. So I think it was a great, great trade. And I think it's really going to help us, you know, when we come down, um, you know, against some good teams, he's going to be able to shoot the three ball for us a little bit better than, um, you know, the other guys who we were relying on. Um, Dante DiVincenzo can shoot the three um, pretty well as well. Forgot about him, but uh, those three guys shooting the threes, I think he's really going to fit in well. I don't expect him to like average anything crazy, really anything 10 plus in my opinion, just depends on the minutes he gets. But for sure, I love the pickup for, uh, for us and it got him out of a 21, 2021 game losing streak. So he got himself uh, to a contender, which is good for him. Yeah, a lot of people are saying, you know, P.J. Tucker's washed. He's been washed. Yeah, he is older, and he, he's always been a tough-nosed guy. I, I didn't really see him as being washed. You know, it's kind of hard when you're a veteran and you're on a team that is in turmoil and losing 20 games in a row. So he'll instantly, I think, be an upgrade there. And like you said, just shoot that corner three. That's all you really got to do. Um, if he can knock that down, he's going to help the team out a lot. So let's say uh, worst case scenario, the Milwaukee Bucks, they go to the playoffs again as a one or a two seed, maybe a three seed, and they end up flaming out in the first or the second round again. What is the plan going forward? Would you ship out a lot of the veterans? Obviously, you want to keep Giannis. You're not going to ship him out, um, but – would you kind of blow it up around Giannis or are you looking to package everybody together for a superstar? What's your plan moving forward? I think losing in the first or second round definitely is a possibility. I think the Hawks, uh, Knicks are up there six, seven, um, you know, so that's a, that's a tough first round game right off the bat. If we get in there at a three second seeds, probably going to be Philly or Brooklyn. So I don't, I, it's going to be a tough game to win for sure. So, I mean, past that, um, I'm not sure exactly what we would do in my opinion uh, at that point. Uh, it's probably time to move on from Chris Middleton. Um, he's, he's a great shooter. He's a great player, but I mean, clearly two years of two, three years of losing in the playoffs um, as a one, two, three seed 
um, is the one, two, three seed is great. 60 plus wins, 50 plus wins is great. But uh, when it comes down to the playoffs, if we can't win, um, I, we're not getting rid of Giannis. So we're going to have to find people who are going to fit in and help him win a little bit better. Um, I think that we keep the younger pieces. I think we keep Drew Holiday if we can. Um, just because of his defense, I think we keep uh, DiVincenzo if we can. Um, we're going to need someone who can run either whatever Giannis is doing, kind of uh, his backup, which right now is Brooke Lopez. Um, he can run starting five or whatever. Um, I've never really liked him. He can't really rebound as well as he should at seven foot. Um, his corner, his corner three and really his total um, three point shots are dwindling down from what he used to do. And that was really his main thing. Like, okay, you can't rebound. So at least you can shoot the three. Um, and he can't really do that as good as he used to anymore. So um, we're going to need to find a replacement center. We should have been doing that for the past couple of years. Um, but I guess, you know, trying to re-sign Giannis, we didn't want to, um, you know, sign anyone out of free agency. Um, we wanted to throw him the most money we could. But um, Chris Middleton, definitely question. I think if we don't move on to him, he's definitely in trade talks and on the hot seat, you know, if you will. So um, if we lose, get bounced in the first or second round of the playoffs again, I think Chris Middleton is on the hot seat. Um, same with uh, Brooke Lopez and and a couple other of those type guys. And, um, you know, guys like Bryn Forbes who are on shorter deals that we can, um, you know, dish out or cut, release, whatever. Yeah. And on that note, I should have asked this in the beginning, but would you move on from uh, Budenholzer as well? Do you think it's time for him to go? if he has another great regular season and then in the postseason, he just can't make any adjustments or can't get it done. Um, I think it's definitely risky. Um, I'm not really too sure on the relationship with coach Bud and um, Giannis. So that's definitely something to take into consideration. If you're trying to build around uh, Giannis, you don't want to disgruntle him and fire someone that, uh, you know, has been with him since the beginning of his career or, you know, since he really hit his prime. Um, but I think logistically, if we lose again, it's definitely risky, um, cause you know, he's consistently getting us good regular seasons and stuff like that. So we don't want that to go away, um, you know, uh, and fire him and hire someone else. And we come in and win like 37 games or something like that. Um, and I also don't want it to look like a Dwayne Casey Toronto scenario where he wins coach of the year and then, you know, is, is out immediately. But, um, I think, it would definitely be in consideration. I think we should probably move on from coach Budenholzer. Um, again, kind of depends on like um, how the players like him and stuff like that, especially Giannis. But I think it would definitely, definitely be a hot topic if we get bounced first, first round, especially second round, you know, with Brooklyn and Philly would be a little bit more understandable. But I think after that, it, it could definitely happen for sure. Yeah, it could be, you know, there's a lot to be seen, obviously, for the rest of the season. If they make the conference finals or even the NBA finals, I think he's he's safe for at least another year. But if they flame out in the first or second round, it could be kind of a Doc Rivers situation with the Clippers where everybody yes. knows, you know, Doc Rivers is a good coach. The players like him. Um, but for whatever reason, they just needed a change of pace. They needed a different voice in the locker room. And he ended up going to Philly and now Philly's loving Doc Rivers, but who knows that could change these coaches cycle around so much now. Um, on the, on the topic of the bucks, before we move on to the NCAA tournament, one of my favorite things about the NBA and just sports in general is kind of the, the nostalgia factor. Um, so when you think of the bucks throughout the years, who are some of your favorite players? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the star player, but who are the favorite nostalgic players you think of when you think of the Bucks growing up? Um, for sure, Kyle Korver is up there. Uh, he was so fun to watch, just shooting the three. Uh, you know, he could knock down anything. He wasn't, he couldn't really do much else, um, but he could definitely shoot the three. He's up there. Um, Korver for sure. Um, Ray Allen is up there. Uh, he's a Great shooter. We all know he's a great shooter. Probably top three shooter of all time, in my opinion. Um, all time greats, obviously Oscar Robertson, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But like growing up watching the Bucks, I would say 
Let's see, man. There are a lot. Yeah, I one of my first – one of the reasons I asked this question to you is because one of the first NBA jerseys I ever had was um, Ray Allen Bucks jersey. I just loved Ray Allen and Big Dog Robinson. I really wa- liked watching them on the Bucks. Yeah, for sure. Um, they were – I mean, they're like – they've had a lot of like good players come through and they didn't really do anything with them which is like kind of, um, you know, sad, I guess, um, uh, you know, sad, sorry, my zoom is lagging out a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's sad a little bit as I was saying that they couldn't really do anything with like those greats, like, um, you know, Ray Allen in those days and stuff like that. But, you know, we, I mean, we had a good run. We had like, you know, good players go through there. I wish, you know, we could have got, you know, done something, got something out of it um, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, oh, and Sidney Moncrief came through Milwaukee as well. Sidney Moncrief. Yeah. Legend of the game right there. I remember they even traded um, one year late in the season, they traded for Gary Payton and he kind of, he kind of had an impact there. He didn't, you know, stay in Milwaukee long-term, but I remember watching uh-huh. him on the Bucks. I forgot about that. I forgot that the Bucks picked up Gary Payton. Yeah, for sure. The, he's so – I mean, he was – he's so fun to watch. He was a great defender, obviously. He used the glove, like last guard to win. Um, uh, defensive player of the year, so, you know. Yeah, I think that was probably one of his – I can't remember exactly looking back, and I just remember watching him in the playoffs with the Bucks that one year. I can't remember if he stayed past that year, but that was one of the last vintage Gary Payton seasons that we got. So it was, it was fun to see him um, on a different team, change of pace. So moving on to the NCAA tournament, NCAA in general, um, how are you feeling about the tournament so far? Is your bracket completely broken like mine is? Um, one uh, Most of my brackets are completely broken. Uh, one of them I think is in like, 13,000th place so I'm feeling pretty good about 13,000th but yeah I think this year has definitely been good if I keep saying like if any if any year was the year for a lower seed to win the tournament it was this year Gonzaga's great uh, you know Baylor great Illinois is obviously out of the tournament Michigan's in trouble against LSU right now so um you know it's definitely definitely a year for you know 8 seed Loyola Chicago now on DraftKings, they have like the third best odds, you know, to win the Natty as an eight seed. So if any seed is to, you know, mix it up a little bit, uh, I think it's definitely this year. Yeah, for sure. It's It's been interesting. March Madness is always crazy. Um, and this year is no exception to that. Are there any prospects you've been keeping an eye on um, over these games? I know a lot of them have been bounced out pretty early, but did, did anybody catch your eye or is somebody you didn't really think of catching your eye now? Um, somebody I didn't really think of for sure. Small forward from Houston, this kid named Quentin Grimes. He's been great. He, I think he led his uh, Houston's conference in scoring. Um, so he uh, watching him against Cleveland state. And I think they played Rutgers, um, you know, yesterday, which was Sunday. Um you know, it was it's been great to watch him. He's he's a bucket for uh for Houston. And then obviously my falls, they got bounced in the first round. So, you know, that that's rough. But Keon Johnson, James Springer, two guys like top 10, 15 picks in this year's draft, in my opinion. So keep an eye on them for sure. And I we haven't really had a great player come out of Tennessee since like Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson. Um so hopefully Keon and Jaden can be up there. Yeah, you mentioned those two. And then another prospect, I remember him from a year or two ago, even um, probably two years ago, because I don't really count last season with everything being cut short. Um, yeah. Pons, the, is he sort of a power oh. forward, low post? Is he more of a low post player? I haven't watched a ton of his games, but he's always kind of stuck out, stuck out to me when I watched Tennessee. Yeah, I think – He's, he's like, so, he's so weird. Like he's a weird player. He can step out. He has one of the ugliest jump shots I've ever seen South Paul shooter, but I mean, he can shoot it. All right. 
he had like nine blocks against Florida in an SEC tournament game. He won SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and he really came on the scene when, you know, Grant Williams was at Tennessee and uh, Admiral Schofield. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know him. He's like deep down on the Thunders rotation, but uh, he really came on then. And then he's really stepped into his role as a senior, kind of like a, a big brother to some of the younger guys. But he, in my opinion, he's kind of like a, he is only six, 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 seven, uh, maybe a little bit shorter. Um, so he's definitely finding some height advantages in the low post. Um, he's a gritty rebounder. He's not somebody who's just going to box somebody out, go up and get it. He's going to sneak around somebody and tip it back out or, you know, grab it. Cause he's got, you know, great, great jump. So I would say he's probably more of like a stretch guy, somebody who can stretch the floor as a defensive player and, uh, you know, get out and run with the guards and stuff like that. So that can be useful to, you know, a lot of teams who are looking for somebody who can stretch. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a star or anything. I think he can be a definitely a good rotational player, especially for teams who um, value defense. Yeah, Tennessee's been great at pumping out those uh, slightly undersized power <laughs> forward slash low post players. They had Grant Williams, like you mentioned, um, and now Pons moving Tobias into Tobias Harris, too. I guess yeah, he's Tobias a little bit Harris taller, as well. But... Yeah. So that's kind of been the MO for Tennessee, even before Rick Barnes. Um, watching Cade Cunningham, have you caught a lot of his games this year? He's the consensus number one overall pick, so we got to mention him. Yeah, for sure. I watched him, you know, a little less than I should have. I definitely caught up with some of his highlights and stuff like that. Um, I watched him a ton in the Big 12 tourney, and then they played Liberty first round, played Oregon State uh, last Saturday night. So. Uh, he's been good to watch. He had an off tournament. I, I, I mean, wasn't terrible, but wasn't great. Um, but definitely he, I, I don't, I keep telling people, I don't even know who to compare him to. He's a six, eight point guard. I mean, I guess you can compare him to Ben Simmons just because of that, but he can't shoot. I mean, Ben Simmons can't shoot. Cade can shoot the ball. I don't think, you know, he's really got a comparison, which is, I guess could be scary for the number one team, but also could be something that, you know, makes you want to pick him a little bit more. But uh, he's really just like kind of like I said about Eve's pond, just like a weird shooter. I mean, just like a weird player. He's a great shooter, but he can also, you know, get to the rim and pass and, you know, run like he's, you know, six one, six two. So I don't know. I think he's definitely the number one pick. I think Mobley is up there. But, you know, I think it's he's definitely kind of like a misfit for a point guard. Yeah, you stole stole the name right out of my mouth. I was going to – just from watching him, I haven't really watched, like, all his highlight tapes and read read up all his scouting reports. But just from watching him um, a little over the regular season and now in the tournament, and I watched the Big 12 tournament as well, I would say he's like Ben Simmons, like you said, but he's not quite the playmaker Ben Simmons right. is. Yes. But he can shoot better. So he's kind of a – honestly, he reminds me – a lot of Tyrese Halliburton because he's a big guard who can shoot it um, mm -hmm. underrated shooter and he can play make as well. Obviously Tyrese Halliburton a little bit different. Um, his shot form is pretty wacky compared to Tate <laughs> Cunningham, but it, it works. It goes in. So maybe a little bit of a hybrid Tyrese Halliburton um, and then Ben Simmons could be a comp for him. Yeah, for sure. I, if he can develop his defensive game, I think he can easily get up there with a Ben Simmons comparison for sure. Is there anybody that you could see? You mentioned Mobley. So we've got Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley. I think Jalen Green from the G League is going to be high up there as well. And Jonathan Kaminga will probably be in the top 10. Is there anybody else that you've seen that you could see uh, rocketing up the board, maybe stealing the number two spot or even the number three spot? Hmm. Let's see. I would say some guys, um, I don't know about, I think, I think Cade is definitely one. I think he's a shoe in. I think Mobley is, a, I think he's pretty solidified in two, but definitely could go up. I think Kaminga Green, as you said, are definitely up there. Um, I think Luca Garza, kind of like an underrated, as much as I don't like him, you know, they just got bounced by Oregon, Iowa did. Uh, but he's a big center. He's probably one of the best Iowa 
players of all time. Ron Marable is up there for the Hawkeyes, but I think he is probably, you know, the best player in Iowa history. I could see him shooting up the boards. I think he is really, really underrated. Um, you know, I've seen a couple posts on halftime about, you know, where's Luca Garza and stuff like that. So definitely, uh, you know, I could see him shooting up into the top 15, top 20, because um, I, I hope he's on people's, you know, people are watching him. Um, Illinois point guard, Io DeSumo is really, really good. Um, he's all American first team, maybe second team. Um, yeah. Oh, and you know, the Baylor guard tandem, Davian Mitchell and Jared Butler, uh, Jared Butler was either all American first or second. And then Davian Mitchell made the third team. So I think those two guys could be def, uh, great draft prospects as well. I think they could sneak up there more than people think. Yeah, and one name I forgot to mention along with those, or people are going to yell at me if I don't mention it, is Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. Duh, bro. yeah. I just Jaylen thought Suggs. of it while Please. I totally spaced out on it, too. While you were, <laughs> yeah, well, well, I first mentioned it, of course. But um, where, where do you see Jalen Suggs? If you were – if you had the number one pick for, let's say, it's the Orlando Magic, just, just say it's the Magic for argument's mm-hmm. sake, um, would you take – Cade Cunningham or do you feel more comfortable with the guy like Jalen Suggs um I think if you want to take the consensus overall best player available mentality it's Cade for sure um if you feel like you've got a player in Cole Anthony um I would maybe shy away from point guard unless you think that Cunningham can run the two or the three because he is six eight so he can I'm sure he can probably do some other things to run point guard um like Oklahoma State is using him but if we're saying, uh, you know, for if they're going just best player available, best on the board, I think they go with, um, you know, Kate Cunningham. If we're talking, you know, all right, what do we need? What are we really looking for? I think they go more Suggs or Green or even probably not Kuminga. I don't think he's really number one pick, but uh, to run that small forward for them, they're really pretty kind of weak at small forward, I think. Vucevic, Fournier, Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, if, if they keep Aaron Gordon are all kind of safe um, for replacement throughout the draft. And, you know, depending on what they uh, do up in the front office, if they want to replace Cole Anthony, you know, come in and bring in uh, Cade. If they don't, I can see them picking Suggs. I think he's six four, six five. He could easily run an undersized three, um, you know, just, you know, out there running the floor and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if they're going point guard, if they're going best player available, Cade, if not Jalen Suggs, you know, Jalen green, I would say are probably the best, best picks. Yeah. It'll be interesting for sure. And, you know, with Gonzaga, who do you have winning the championship? I should ask before I say this. Um, and well, the main bracket that I made, the one that has not done very good out of Gonzaga, but in another just bracket that I made that happens to be you know, 13,000th or whatever, I have Baylor, and they've really turned it up uh, in the tournament, but they have only played, you know, a 16 seed and a nine seed. So that could be, you know, saying something different. But Gonzaga and Baylor are my two favorites, you know, right here. Yeah, and I watched Baylor play throughout the season, um, living in Big 12 country and then also in the NCAA tournament. They have this guy, uh, Mark Vidal, who plays kind of that small Uh forward, power forward. Yeah, he's big, chunky dude. It looks like he shouldn't be playing basketball. He should be playing football. But somehow he gets up in the air and he catches alley-oops. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, man, I've seen him for sure. He's He's been pretty good. He was good against Wisconsin a few days back, too. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's really the heart and soul of that team. And college basketball in general is really interesting. Um, you know, people think Gonzaga has been this powerhouse for 10 years now, and they don't really see that you know, you have to build these programs up over years and having Mm -hmm. a coach like the same coach in place for, you know, 15, 20 years now really helps. And people don't realize that Jalen Suggs, he was a really high recruit coming out of high school. He's really the first high recruit that has chosen Gonzaga straight out of high school after, you know, this 20 year run. So that's, that's a whole conversation in itself though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think they've done, Gonzaga has kind of taken a different approach than 
Well, I mean, I guess everyone's going to kind of start somewhere, but, you know, even recently they haven't been grabbing, you know, number top 10 recruits or anything like that, especially this year. We saw some guys commit in weird places. You know, Cade went to Oklahoma State. I think he has a brother who's an assistant coach. Josh Christopher went to uh, Arizona State as a top guy. And Evan Mobley went to USC, who ended up making the tournament. But all three of those, not really like contenders like UNC, Duke, Kentucky, who, I mean, two of them didn't make the tournament this year, but they're still, you know, storied programs. But Gonzaga obviously grabbed Jalen Suggs, which helps. But, you know, their guys, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, who have really come on for them, haven't really been top guys. They've kind of, you know, um, progressed them to be really top players in the nation. And if you've got a coach like uh, Mark Few who can, you know, progress players, that really does help, like, as you said, like build a dynasty over years. And since he's been here for uh, more than a couple years, he's been able to progress these players that he's, you know, recruited and kind of found diamonds in the rough. And that's really helped them for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's really interesting college basketball in general. You mentioned there's there's a lot of chicanery that goes on um, with the coaching staffs of these player, these highly recruited players. All of a sudden, they got uncles and brothers and dads and fathers and you know stepdads. Everybody's on the staff. All of a sudden, uh, making a nice <laughs> making a nice salary. And all of a sudden, before you know it, Kate Cunningham is going to Oklahoma State. So that's right. just kind of how it goes. One of my favorite stories is. I don't know if it's still a rule anymore in the NCAA bylaws or the recruiting bylaws that they have, but coaches, um, there's a certain time period in the off season when they can actually talk to recruits and when and where they can actually talk to recruits. Um, And there was a rule written in called the bump rule, where if you weren't allowed to talk to a recruit, if you're at an AAU game during this specified period um, in the spring, but if you were to, say be leaving the game the same time that player is leaving the game, leaving the floor and you, <laughs> and you bump into them in the hallway, you're allowed to have a conversation with them. So there's a lot wow. of, a lot of, a lot of greasiness and things that go on behind <laughs> the scenes of college basketball. Uh, and I'll, I'll, spare, I'll spare you the age old topic of should the players be paid? Cause that one's just never going to get solved. <laughs> oh man. That's, I mean, that's been, I mean, I, I'm glad NCAA football is coming back, but NCAA basketball would be nice to have back too. Uh, Edo, I don't even know what happened to the guy who like ruined the whole thing, Ed O'Bannon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wish that we could have it, but you never know like what those players are going to do with that kind of money and stuff like that. So it's always stuff to consider and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't know if that's ever really going to be resolved for the NCAA. And with the G League um, doing their sort of Ignite team they did this year, that's Mm going to be a route recruits are looking for as well. I've already seen, you know, top 15 recruits are rumored to start going to the G League next year as well. So that's going to be an avenue as well as going overseas. Um, Before I let you go, though, I do want to get a hot take out of you. It can be past, present, um, you know, could be a player, a coach, anything you want to spout off, the floor is yours. All right, man. Let's see. Oh, I got one for sure. In my opinion, Zach Levine is a top 10 to 12 player in the NBA right now. Like, no doubt. I don't know if that's a hot, hot take. Oh, I think I think it is for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people I, and I'm saying this year, like I'm not saying in the overall, you know, scene of things, because this year obviously has been much improved from what he's done. But, I mean, you take into consideration, like, what he's done with the Bulls. Like, if you replace him with, you know, a lesser shooting guard or even a guy like hmm, – think, I mean, any anybody really. I can't really think of an example. Even a guy like Jalen Brown, say, who's kind of a younger guy, but I don't know if he can lead the Bulls like uh, Zach is right now. But he's a younger guy, um, you know, and he's led the Bulls to be really better than they would be without him. Um, you know, so I think what he's averaging and what he's doing has been definitely top 10 to 12 caliber in the NBA this year. Yeah, it's he's definitely been doing it behind the scenes. People counting the Bulls out early in the season. They had a little bit of a rocky start, um, but they've been playing a lot better since then. 
Um, I don't think they'll be a contender this year, but just the fact that they're going to be, you know, in the playoff chase and the playoff hunt is impressive. If you were the Bulls, I guess I should ask it from Zach Levine's perspective. Do you mm-hmm. see Zach Levine um, being sort of a lifetime bull for the rest of his career? Or do you see him moving on, maybe trying to team up with another superstar elsewhere? Um, I Just kind of the vibe that I get from Zach Levine is kind of like he likes Chicago. Uh, they've got a pretty young core there with uh, Patrick Williams, Kobe White. I guess you could throw Wendell Carter and Laurie Markin in in there. So if he really does like it, I'm all back to like relationships with the coaches and stuff like that. If he does buy into Billy Donovan and, you know, the coaching staff there and believes that, you know, he's going to get back to, I mean, at least getting, I don't know if they'll keep the playing game format, you know, eight, nine, 10 seed, um, you know, get that playing game or get that eight, seven seed. Um, you know, if he buys in and, and thinks they can do that, I think for sure, I could see him, if not lifetime, you know, kind of like we were talking about Gary Payton, you know, by the end of his career kind of just moves on, Um, you know, but I think otherwise, you know, if, if, you know, he, if they continue to lose and they continue to, you know, miss draft, not miss draft prospects. I don't think Wendell Carter was a total miss, but just the guys in his class, I think they could have gotten a little bit better at the pick that they had, but, you know, they continue to, you know, fumble the bag a little bit in the draft and can't win as much as he would like to. I could definitely see him leaving and at least teaming up with somebody who, you know, has had some experience and at least is, you know, uh, like a, a contender team and a contender coach and some some experienced guys. Because right yeah. now, you know, 25, 26, maybe even 27, like he's – putting a team on his back, like he's like 30, 33 years, 30, 31, 32 years old. And that's definitely hard for, you know, such a young guy. Cause you see like, um, you know, Jalen Brown, who's kind of going behind the scenes. He's not really leading a team, but you know, he's playing really well. He's the same age and, you know, uh, he's getting more love than, well, you know, same or more love than Zach Levine is. And, you know, he just hasn't had to put the team on his back like, uh, like Levine has. So, it's just weird to see how different players, you know, kind of fit their roles on different teams. Yeah. It's, it's a league of really talented guards right now. So I think Mm -hmm. he'll definitely be in contention for second or third team, all NBA this year, which will be a big accomplishment for Levine and Bulls fans can rejoice. The old uh, joke with Bulls fans is, you know, Gar, Gar packs, the old front office, they would start, start doing their scouting during the NCAA tournament and whoever they saw that looked good in the tournament, they would just pick. Um, So, you know, maybe they turned that around. I I really like Patrick Williams this year and Wendell Carter. I mean, Carter's kind of a bust so far, but you know, he's all right. And then same with Markinen, they have their moments, but overall haven't been great. And then you've got Kobe white who you mentioned as well. So they've got a good young core there. We'll see what go, what happens moving forward. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, you know, that probably went back to the Jerry Krause days. We saw him on the the last dance and his superb GM skills and, you know, stuff like that. But I think uh, Patrick Williams was a – I don't know if he should have gone as high as four, but I think he's played great. I think he's played better than what guys were expecting the Bulls to take and um, um, uh, Denny Avdia asked for – even a guy, um, you know, who went lower in the draft. I think Tyrese Halliburton would have been a great pickup. But, it, I mean, I, it shows great scouting from the Bulls. Um, uh, Patrick Williams came off the bench in college. He wasn't even a starter for them. I think he played behind Devin Vassell and um, MJ Walker for this, uh, for Florida State. So, definitely, I mean, not bad scouting. We'll see how he turns out. But, I mean, so far he hasn't been bad. Uh, hasn't been bad for him. Yeah, by all accounts, he's a really hard worker and he's willing to put in the work and get better. So we'll see what happens with Chicago and the Milwaukee Bucks moving forward. Um, So I thank you for coming on. Did you want to share anything else, plug anything else before I let you go here? Um, Let's see. Yeah, I got one thing to plug. It's not even mine, but it's just another great, great basketball podcast I listen to. It's called Through the Wire. It's got a couple guys 
from uh, Bleacher Report. I know, like, Bleacher Report gets, gets a bad rap, but they're cool guys, talk NBA and stuff like that. So that's my plug for, for me. And then, you know, Fear the Deer on Halftime. So, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I've actually checked that podcast out. Um, I didn't even really know what it was, you know, before mm-hmm. this year. But <clears throat> I saw it had Kenny Beecham on there, who I, I had watched on YouTube before. And I was like, oh, he's with Bleacher Report now. And then I see his commercial. Yeah, he's, he's got his he's, face on TV all of a sudden during the NCAA tournament. And I'm yeah, like, man, he's, what, he's definitely on? king of the fourth quarter. Yeah, bro. He's he's probably my favorite YouTuber. Uh, yeah, man, he's he's fun to watch for sure. Yeah, and all of a sudden I see him on TV. So look at that. He's on the come <laughs> Kevin up. Kevin Harlan this. saying yeah, maybe that will be that maybe that'll be me someday. You, you never know. <laughs> back to Lopez. Giannis gets it back. Attacking the paint now. Little quick sit dribble and knocks it home and turning out the lights on Doc Rivers. Yes, yeah, sit down. Philadelphia. Giannis single-handedly claiming the court at Wells Fargo. Not gonna lie to you guys, episode 11 was a banger. You know what? They're all bangers, though, honestly. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to you guys for listening. In the words of the great Kevin Durant, um, you the real MVP. I'm Kevin Durant. You guys are my Wanda Durant. I need you to survive. Like I said, Wednesday evening, be looking for the halftime community roundtable, or when you wake up Thursday morning, hit that download button. I appreciate every single one of you. I look forward to episode 12. It's going to be that halftime community roundtable part duh. See you all then.